0: Hello and welcome to the Attributive Security Podcast where we discuss and share ideas around perennial, topical and emerging information security issues. Keep listening for tips and strategies to both protect and enable what matters most to your stakeholders. My name is Martin and today I'll be discussing trust with my co-host Maurice. As this is the first episode of a new podcast, Let's add a little more introduction before we get started. We're planning to record a series of podcasts in which we will discuss and share ideas around various topics that can be found in the security space or anything relating to a certain level of risks to be managed.
1: The various topics we think could be interesting to discuss and publish as a podcast are business continuity, risk management, architecture and the role of architects, security governance, policies and standards and current matters in the news. It's our idea to sometimes invite guests to join us in the discussions, and more important, to learn from their viewpoints and experience.
0: The idea for these podcasts is based on the experience of many evenings we've spent at COSAC in the bars of Kilachee, and the great conversations that spark. With the residential nature of the conference, this is more than the average corridor track, and conversations often go very late into the night.
1: But we'll try to keep these a little shorter. We'll try to keep these a little shorter, and there are no drinks being served. These podcasts are not an excuse to start drinking while you are listening to us. But we do hope the element of having an enjoyable, relaxed moment while you listen to what we discuss will be there for you. Whether you are cooking, working in the garden, or just having a spare moment to tune in. Let's give a
0: little more introduction of ourselves, or rather each other. If you're coming to this podcast with an interest in business-driven information security, you'll likely have heard of my co-host or be familiar with some of his work. It has been said that he has a sixth sense in security. What I can say is that he possesses a rare mix of technical, business, social and communication skills. With 20 years experience spanning architecture, risk management, governance, operations and training, he is a forward-looking advocate of business-driven security and the only thing old-fashioned about him is his choice of cocktail i give you my co-host, Maurice Smith.
1: Well, thank you, Martin. Dear listeners, I met Martin, the host of this podcast, about three or four years ago at the COSEC conference. During the design of session run by Bill Schultz and Jason Copes, I instantly knew Martin is a smart guy and definitely smarter than I am. With his over 20 years of experience, he truly is an inspiration for me. And every time we meet be it at Cosec during a dinner, or in the bar, or at a SAPSA world meeting, it is inspiring to discuss any type of matter with Martin. His view and open approach trigger to think further. And it is in those discussions with Martin that I learn a lot from him. When he approached me a few weeks ago with his idea to do podcasts, I for sure didn't want to miss out more opportunities to discuss and learn from his humorous view.
0: Thanks, Maurice. Anything else you'd like to add about our plans?
1: Ah, yes. Uh, We would like to do these podcasts a bit in the spirit of COSAC, meaning there will be no sales pitches and we will not try to sell you any product.
0: Let's get back to the topic of this episode. We'll talk about what trust is, what it isn't, how we can manage our reliance on trust, and close with how trust relates to security.
1: So, interesting what I saw yesterday, the news of, uh, of Apple offering Bitcoin, doubling your Bitcoins.
0: Oh, I've not seen that one. Ah, okay. Yes, uh, yesterday, was, yesterday was kind of taken up with um, Twitter meltdown.
1: Uh, Apple tweeted that they would double your Bitcoins. They believe in Bitcoins and they would double your Bitcoins.
0: Yep, yep. All right. So, yeah, we are on the same page with the Bitcoin-related bitcoin related uh, tweets that were going from the compromised accounts.
1: This morning when I woke up, I read this again. I was like, so, okay, so Apple suddenly said, right, supposedly in the tweet, uh, we believe in Bitcoin, send us a Bitcoin and we will double it. So I thought, but hold, doesn't that just diminish the the trust that people will have in Bitcoin there? And uh, giving this another thought, I was like, no, this is diminishing the trust that people will have in Twitter, right? Something, what happened there? And I just read something about uh, supposedly an insider was bribed. Right. Interesting. Why would you as an internal employee, and I'm just, it's speculation here because it's under the presumption that it's an insider job. Uh, why would you as an insider let yourself being paid while you know this this will get out? You can never get away with this. It's,
0: yeah, it does seem a bit, I mean, it's like one of the sort of common late night conversations around, uh, you know, pen testers is, you know, so we've got this... Uh, compromise on a bank how do you actually cash out you know you can get the money but how do how do you then make that non-traceable you know how do you break that link
1: indeed how do you break that link because it's it's monitored to a certain extent to extract the money that you've stolen and to send it somewhere right to go to an atm you won't succeed there's there's controls in place for them to establish uh, a, a level of trust. Right? This whole Twitter thing that I this morning was reading, it, it reminded me of the zero trust notion.
0: Well, the whole, let's, let's break it out. you got the zero trust, which is not zero trust. It's, I mean, I th- I think when you go back to, was it Gartner? I think it's Forrester Research. The phrase supposedly came from zero trust networking. So it's not 0 you you've you've still got to trust things well we we can get into whether or not it's really trust, but it's just what you're trusting uh and the same the same goes with bitcoin you know you've cryptocurrencies it's not you know you have this whole thing around what was the phrase without relying on trust and it's without relying on trust of intermediary parties, but you've still got to trust something you've still got to trust that. You know, the crypto is, doing, is, is protecting you. The, the consensus algorithm is, you know, sound. It, it's, it's, not, it's not removal of trust. It, it's, it's moving it around.
1: It's, it's definitely not removal of trust. It is, A, like you said, moving it around. It's shifting it to another area, but it's also making it more...
0: Explicit, I guess.
1: Explicit. That's the word indeed. Yes.
0: So let, 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 let's talk about trust what is your what is your thought when you hear people talking about trust in in connection to software or a technology comp-
1: my initial thoughts always go back to trust is something that sits between animals, and we humans are also a species amongst the animals right if we agree with that or not um but trust sits with between animals because uh, a gazelle doesn't trust a lion to uh, to be able to together drink from the same pond at the same time. Neither yeah. does a monkey trust the snake not to attack him when he's trying to play with him.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a classic classic quote from the Princess Bride. You know where this is going, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You yeah. keep
0: using that word. I do not <laughs> think it means what you think it means, but that that's something we we do a lot of we have a lot of terminology that we've borrowed from general language and then put a different meaning on it or a a more precise meaning or yes. moved it in a direction yeah trust fundamentally is a human concept probably or an animal concept maybe you know between two parties it's it's one directional you know you you've, you've got two con- you've got two uh components you've got one party being trustworthy and one party being trusting, yes, um, and yes, you can have mutual trust, but I think that you can really decompose that from a you know an architectural point of view as just two one-way trusts.
1: I agree. There are you, and you, you can only model one-way trusts, right? So it's all it always decomposes into uh, a one-way trusts. Uh, it's it's uh, one directional, indeed. Although, like you said, uh, when you are getting a sort of a contract that a couple of parties need to trust each other deeper down it's it's always a one-way trust because if one party steps out the chain breaks
0: and i th- i think i think you've also got to look at it in uh in the context and this sort of goes back to or at least with parallels with something i was i was talking about last year around around risk appetite i could trust you to you know advise me on on security i'm not necessarily going to trust you on advising me on where to go on holiday yeah yeah and and the risk parallel being you know my my view of risk in a casino is different to my view of risk on a ski slope
1: uh true you know I have
0: a different risk appetite um and and in a sense I, I I can trust you to do things that you have credibility in you have maybe a degree of uh reliability you enter into this uh for want of a better word transaction and it goes well and you go well, that seemed to work. He 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 did what he said he was going to do. I'll I'll do that again. But how does that how does that then start working with organisations? You know, we've said it's a it's a, a human animal construct. What does it mean when you say you trust a, an organisation?
1: Basically, you trust the people that work there. You trust the image that those people represent uh, for you to be uh, to act in the way you want them to act to achieve what you're striving for. So if you trust software, for example, then you trust the people who wrote that software.
0: Oh, and I think that goes back to, that that makes me think of Ken Thompson's Turing Award lecture in 84, I think it was, which was really around, you can do as much source code analysis you want if I've backdoored the compiler, what are you trusting? And really, you've got to come back to, do you trust the individuals, the people who wrote the software? but on an organizational level if you're saying you trust uh you know one of your technology providers be it a a chip manufacturer or a cloud provider those people change those you know they move on they they change roles what are, what how do how do you actually you know build a level of trust and then say well you know how are we going to continuously uh, or in an ongoing manner uh sort of gain assurance that that this trust is is reasonable it doesn't
1: yeah, well, it relates to the risk that we're exposed to. Now, the challenge, of course, sits in the fact that we're not aware of the risks that we're exposed to, and therefore we can't assess the risks, so we can't judge, and therefore we just buy something until it kills us.
0: But is, is there not a a question there, maybe, that what we're doing? And I, I get the point that you know you can't you can't verify everything. You know, that's that's the whole point we're talking about. You can't verify. Yeah everything in your stack from your you know your your software source analysis your compilers your operating system your your hardware you know or your cloud provider and then then your hardware and then your management engine that's below your hardware you, you can't you can't verify all that you know are we not actually saying that we trust this thing and actually what we're really doing is saying, well, this is this is too hard and we can't really assess what the risk is, so we'll just accept it blindly.
1: To a certain level, that is what we are doing. Um, I also do think that we do assess it, but very quickly as humans. And we do it on the basis of facial expression. This is how social engineers uh, hack the human. Right? We make sure that our normal ways of... Trying to identify if somebody is true or not, they're trying to deceive this by distracting us.
0: But one—I mean—one of the other ways of looking at this is the very act of trust is really accepting and making yourself vulnerable to a third party. You are making yourself—you are consciously making yourself vulnerable to that other party.
1: I mean, deliberately. Deliberately, yes. Well, if you're talking about bungee jumping, for example, right. I would. I, I would never be a fan of that, me personally, but if you like, go ahead, (laughs) right? Um, I would never rely on that trust being asserted by the guy that I pay that says, you're secured now, you can jump. So is that what you refer to for deliberately putting yourself at risk?
0: You are are taking their their word for it. You're putting your faith in those individuals. In that scenario, I would say it's, yeah, the, the guy... The guy who's standing there strapping you in is uh, the face of the the organization at that point, but he's not the guy who's designed the the system. He's not the guy who's built the system. He's not the guy who's tested the system, potentially. No, yep, indeed. He's just the, the customer facing.
1: He's the customer facing, and he is, he is also relying on the trust asserted by the company who provided the cord, the rubber, the elasticity, all that shit stuff.
0: But what, what is there you could do... Um, in terms of can, can you limit the,
1: the exposure you've got? Yeah, but it would make life very... There is, there
0: it's, is it's going
1: to a supermarket and buying a product, and then you have to ask the supermarket, uh, can I trust this product? And they say, yes, of course. Yeah, okay, can we zoom in on this product and then identify the ingredients and trust the ingredients and ask the suppliers of the ingredients. So the whole chain of trust there.
0: So you talked about a chain of trust there. That sort of gets gets me thinking about trust anchors. You've got to have something at the end of that chain that, that you trust and then a way of deriving, well, if I trust this and I make this this step, that, that's acceptable to me. And then I make this other step and that's acceptable. And it's rooted yes. in, in something uh, up front. I guess the classic case in this is things like, you know, secure bootloaders, going back to the technology. Once you've got that, that, that is where you sort of have to start trusting something. And then that, yes. that that verifies the next stage and the next stage verifies the next stage and you've got integrity checks and, and the things. You, you've you got to start with something that
1: you trust. This is what Theo Derat of OpenBSD says, right, uh, about Raspberry. Um, people asked him, when, when are you going to port OpenBSD to Raspberry? And he said, never. The hardware is... Made in a country that I don't trust, so why should I create a secure OS on a device that I don't trust?
0: Put a secure uh, shell on a on a shaky foundation. Yeah, but I I, th- I think there are things you can do, whether or not they make sense all the time. You know, in some in some scenarios, people will go to multi-vendor um, approaches. You know, so you're you're hedging in in a sense that, you know, you can you can look at controls at different levels deterring and
1: preventing and detecting and containing so how do you how do you know what kind of trust requirement you need then how do you know
0: what do you mean by trust
1: requirement for what do i trust the operating system that it treats my information in a certain way that it doesn't delete my information that it doesn't d- how do you know what kind of Trust needs to be established.
0: I think it's more a case of what controls can you put in place? Where does it become uneconomic, let's say, to put those controls in place? You know, you can't you can't go and develop your own CPU and build your own fab line and build your own CPUs unless unless you're Apple, I guess. And that's exactly what they're doing. For for various reasons, I'm sure. You know, you can't you can't get that whole end to end not realistic, and you can't you've you've got to you've got to pick your your risks and what actually matters to you if it matters so much that is something you can look to a third party and then uh you know trust that they're going to do the right things you can put contracts in place you can put other controls in place to you know maybe detect if there's an issue without preventing it
1: yeah, so you're saying um and i I agree with that actually that you on the basis of your risk assessment, you can identify the type of trust that is needed there.
0: And, yeah, the, the, the type of trust. The, and... the
1: example that you you would follow my advice on something about security, but not about uh, a holiday for you. Yeah. Because the impact could be that I can send you to a place on this planet <laughs> where it's not safe to go because I'm not a matter expert Yeah. On on places on this planet. Um, on some places on this planet, so the the risk is that you'd be sent somewhere else, and you may lose your life or have a very bad impact there, a negative impact. One of your trust, you know, I I I, 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 could, I could
0: recommend something to you and say, you know, go to this country, and you could land there, and you'd go. It is not possible in this country to get vegetarian food. Why did he send me here? Yes, yes. My goals so and my- objectives and whatever are different to you. <laughs>
1: So my trust requirement is is that I I trust you to be a, be aware of my preferences and that you are skilled and knowledgeable about where to find this.
0: I, th- I think the trust comes down to, and this, this is sort of building on, uh, you know, the trust equation model. You know, do, are you are you a credible um, not not necessarily expert, but you know, do you have a, do you have a skill in that area?
1: Yes, are you are you a credible source? Are you a
0: credible source of information, uh, advice in that area? Yes,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, You know, do you have my interests? You know, are you considering my interests? Are you are you are you solely recommending me to go to somewhere because you're actually going to get a you know a kickback for for saying I should book with that that provider, let's say.
1: Yes, because another question from me to you: If I ask you for advice where to go on this planet, could be have you been there?
0: Yes. Do you have <laughs> Do you have personal experience of this? Have you Have yeah. you Have you advised me in this area before? You know, maybe you start it. You start. You know, simpler, and it's just like. Uh, so, know, can you recommend me to... a restaurant? Can you recommend me a hotel? Can you recommend yes. me somewhere to go for a weekend? And then you work up to. Alright, I really want to take a four-week holiday. Where should I go?
1: And and okay, and this is interesting, right? Because now on the basis of your answers, I may book the trip. Um basically to sort of test whether the trust that you asserted there, right? Uh the trustworthiness you've asserted there is true. Uh by and there you go, willingly exposing myself to this. Okay. Uh but what if it? It didn't turn out to be as you you told me. Right? Where's the liability there? I can't go back to you, right? Well, you
0: you can only come back to me if I have not fulfilled, you know, the
1: agreement that we had. Ah, so that's another trust to be established, right? Well, in in one way or another, sort of, it's
0: not necessarily relying solely. You're not relying on the trust because you've got a control behind that, which is the force of the legal system.
1: But but that is, if that is absent, then I can't trust that you say I'm liable. So the contract is a is a form of is a, a comp, uh, achieving a trust level. Now I can trust you more because there's a contract behind this. That if it's not okay, I can fall back to the contract and say, Martin, dude, you need to pay.
0: Ah, but but are you trusting me more, or are you? putting a control in place that will limit your impact of it going sour
1: the levels of trust we can we can say that the level of trust is associated with the level of registration if i just want to have a chat with you in a bar uh the level of registration is that i see i identify you as a human i register you as a person in a bar uh and you know what Let's chat because you speak my same the languages I'm speaking. Let's chat, and now then you say, "Oh, Maurice, can I have your pin card?" Uh, hold on, <laughs> right? I'm stepping up in the registration. Can you show me your passport? I would like to know more about you. Are you actually Martin? And are you actually working for this bank? Okay. Okay. So we're <laughs> stepping up in this. Uh, suddenly, in the bar, you also ask me for my pin card, and I, and, and you then. Say that you work for a bank. Wonderful. So I give you my bank card, but we've stepped up in the registration because I have a higher... Uh, there's a higher impact, so I need more trust. Now, how do you classify a level of trust? Is that... Can you classify that? Because, right, the interesting thing here is how much trust is needed.
0: Okay, let's break this down. I think I think what we what we refer to as trust is in practical terms, most often subjective. Now, I think you can, you know, I could go and measure in some way your credibility. I could say, show me some reviews you've had. Yeah. Give me some references and I can go and check those. Give me your credentials. Um, What badges have you got? I can look at that. I can look at, um, and we've touched on this before, do you have a... History of doing what you said you were going to do, either for me or can you refer me to somebody, or do I have a a friend or colleague who has spoken to you in the past, introduced us maybe, so there's an introductory type relationship there as well. That all builds your credibility, and that, in theory, could all be measured, I think, to to a degree. So that's that's maybe one way of getting started on that. I guess you can also get indicators around well actually is it all just going to go well so long as our our goals and our desired outcomes are actually aligned and as soon as maybe that diverges you're going to put yourself first and i'm going to get the raw end of that that's that's yeah. kind of harder to look at and i think that's that's probably uh, an aspect of trust as well that you you know you are you are having faith that person is actually the the other party is actually um, considering your interests as well as their own, and that's, I guess, that's a tough thing to to consider in terms of a business relationship. You know, it sounds a bit a bit harsh to say everybody's in it for themselves, but they have their own interests and they do need
1: to uh, address those. Absolutely. Plus, uh, I'm thinking of this this situation where you connect two companies, different companies providing a VPN or actually you're establishing a VPN with them and uh, you can have two options right if we if we have a sort of a contract between us where in which you you just confirm you've implemented an X amount of controls then we will just do with one firewall but if you sort of haven't signed that contract you're a bit of an untrusted party we have two firewalls and it's so one in, firewall. In,
0: interesting thing there that I just want to bring up as well. Um, I think trust is, it is what it is. But um, if you start getting a lot of trust in your, your operations, um, your interactions, then it's actually quite hard to, to move away from that because you've built up that trust. So you've built up that trust in that, uh, let's say, supplier. How do you then move to somebody else? Because you don't have that that level of trust, they may have superior technology, but you don't have that trust. So, is uh, you know is relying on trust, or maybe maybe there's a the concept of of too much trust? Is is that promoting sort of vendor locking? And again, another another oft quoted uh, thing: the the Reagan sort of trust but verify. And yes, it's you know you you may be. Have a requirement to to have a level of trust but if if you then say, well it's okay, I trust this vendor I don't actually need to have any controls in there that that are actually um, reducing the, the the reliance on that trust but you could say i i I trust my cloud vendor to you know put appropriate controls in place, and we won't go into the sort of shared responsibility model and everything, and you know they have a certain availability. But equally, you could say, well, actually, I'm going to go multi-cloud and I'm not fully reliant on one vendor. I'm, I'm still trusting them to do those things. But if if it goes uh, awry, then I've actually got a plan B or I'm actually balancing my stuff across across different vendors. Or...
1: Well, question. Uh, are you just going to a cloud provider presuming they will have a 99% availability or do you... Check that in their brochure. Do you go to their website?
0: You potentially check that. Uh, I think I think that's a the, an interesting point. In that, they they may have however however many nines of of uptime, and there may be financial pel- penalties potentially if if they don't uphold that. Yeah. But the day that it goes down, that doesn't help you. That that you're going to get some money.
1: I agree with that. In addition to what I was saying is. It's not that I just blindly trust them to be available to what I need. I do validate this by checking the contractor, by checking the website that they provide, the nine, the five nines. So in essence, that is a sort of a trust establishment there. On the basis of just me reading a statement that they provided, but my trust requirement is that they are available to the level I need. The statement is, they say they are uh, and on the basis of this, I can just, I can use them. However, if they would be down, I could lose customers. And if that reaches a threshold, then, then just reading the statement the five ni- about the five nines would not be enough for me if that could get me bankrupt, if they're not achieving this. So that's where I, before I start to use their service, I would reach out to them and say, dude. If you are not achieving the five nines that I have too much at stake here, um, can you give me more assurance that I can trust that you will have the five nines? So level of trust to be established goes up.
0: Yeah, but there's also stuff you can put in to, I guess, um, mitigate some of that risk. Do you want to be reliant on them telling you that they've gone down, or do you want to have your own monitoring? Do you want to ah? No, no, no. So
1: that's that's another step in the in that needs to be established there. Yeah, true, true, Uh, and it all ties back to the analysis of comes down to process, right? The analysis of the process, the decomposition of the process steps. There, what kind of information is exchanged? What's the value of the information? What is the uh, what what is what are the problems that could arise around that information? So what could prevent you from processing the information correctly? And what is, what is the impact of that happening? And, and, and that's what you and can each, set out as at, trust requirements. At each one of those
0: steps, you've got to decide, you know, what controls you're putting in place and what.
1: Yes. yes. I, guess,
0: I guess what you're trusting the, the, the other party to do in terms of, you know, what controls they've got.
1: Indeed, indeed. And you can step up and tell them, you need to report on a daily basis to me, or weekly. Yeah. That varies, of course.
0: But yeah, that's uh, that's another good point, I think.
1: So when they say zero trust, when they say zero trust without relying on trust, that's not true, right?
0: No, it's not. It's not.
1: Network A will never trust network B unless... And it sits in the unless. Well, no. right? network, unless. network
0: A will never trust Network B. What, what, what is it? You know, what are you saying? It means that a network trusts another network. It comes down to you know what levels of confidence and assurance do you yeah. have?
1: Right, because if Network A never trusts Network B, then they can never exchange information.
0: Yeah, they've, they've, they've got to. As, as we said, uh, you know, one of the ways of looking at trust is making you know knowingly making yourself vulnerable to another another party exchanging information you are doing that
1: yes indeed Uh, you know it's maybe only a small amount but
0: yes you're starting down that path
1: with with putting as much as needed when it comes to the controls the assurance of making sure that you will survive the exchange so uh that a gazelle can indeed drink from the same pond at the same time with the lion because the gazelle has seen that there's too many bushes for the lion to jump over, so it's fine because the pond is like the ocean okay <laughs>
0: yeah and going going back to the sort of uh you know you mentioned bitcoin there uh implicitly at least you're you're taking away this reliance or this uh trust in in intermediaries, but those intermediaries are also providing controls you know if 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 I get fraud on my credit card, I take it up with my card provider. Generally, you know, they're going to refund you, and then they're going to go and chase it um, and try and get their money back. Yeah, but I've got that that control that limit on my impact. I might decide. I don't know whether it means I I I I trust Amazon, but I may go right. I'm going to this. Uh, you know, I I may trust them not to send me. Uh, counterfeit goods, if, if at least if it's not marketplace, you know, if I'm buying from them, I may go, actually, I'm not sure I trust them that much. But I'm going to use Amazon pay on this third party website, because otherwise, I'm actually exposing myself to two providers with my credit card details now instead of one. And I'm, I've already got that level of trust. In them, I've already given them my data. I've already made myself vulnerable to that. Let's just go with that one again.
1: Right, so you're drawing in another party that you trust to help you uh, take away a certain impact if it goes wrong. Yeah. Then it's Amazon that says, yeah, okay, because we trusted them, it's the chain of trust here. right? Yeah. Um, and you can trust us. And that's, that's the only way that trust stays in place when the other party the the trustworthy party says trust me i'm i'm
0: i think it brings up another thing if i have no as we said you can introduce me that that gives me a certain level of uh faith let's say uh in in that third party but it's the trusted intermediary scenario without having that trusted intermediary how do i actually transact with that with that other party now you know you can go down the the sort of blockchain route and say well we don't need the trusted intermediaries because we're going to trust the trust the code or trust the trust the yeah. crypto and trust the math that's really verify always and don't trust
1: uh verify and don't trust uh, it's verify and and on the basis of the results of that, you can trust. right? And the verification, the level of this is just either a statement on the website or a contract signed with all the, uh, the promises that if they screw up, they will pay out. Uh, and you verify this, then you say, I trust you.
0: I think, I think I'd add to that that trust is a relationship. So I would say at that point, you can start to trust but then that's an that, that is yes. something that evolves over time. You may trust more, you may trust you may actually you know, you may see something uh in the way in which a third party was treated or the way in which maybe the company's values have been exposed and you actually think, well, actually the these guys I don't like their ethics. You know, well, they, they haven't they haven't screwed me over, but They've maybe screwed somebody else over, or they've maybe come out and said something that makes me wonder, are these really my sort of people? We've talked about levels of trust, um, but how more at a, I guess, a process level or even an information flow can we model trust? And I guess one of the things we've been talking about is, is the importance of actually being aware of where you're relying on trust and where you've got controls. Um, which, which well, dovetails I'll, into risk assessment as well.
1: No, indeed, but the controls are always in place to, to establish a certain level of trust. If I have a control in place to validate that my information shared with you is still in place, then I'm trusting that you will not unauthorized change my information.
0: I could put an integrity check on that information that would prevent. Yeah, but that would be
1: my requirement. Or if you have that requirement there too, you put them there something too. Because you trust that that information stays unchanged, unauthorized, right? Um, Doesn't get changed there too. Um, I'm starting to think that basically all the controls we put in place is in relation to. A risk we've identified and a risk consists of a couple of elements there, threat, weakness, etc. But that is to establish a level of trust before we can exchange, interact with another party.
0: Okay, so exchange with another party, we're talking about trust with another party. So one of the core controls, authentication. What level of authentication do we need? What assurance do we need that that third party is who they say they are? We may trust Mm -hmm. that person. But we still got a, we've still got to gain assurance that they are actually that person, and it's not, yeah. I don't know, stolen but credentials
1: or somebody spoofing their identity or. So, uh, when we say we trust that person, is that because we trust him, and then we ask him for his name, or is that because we first have let him or her uh, uh, authenticate themselves, and then we trust him? So
0: there's something called. Uh, Trust on first use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we, we go through, and, and in, in banking, maybe it's a, a KYC process. Right. You go through all that, you, uh, and that's part of, you mentioned it earlier on, registration. It's part of your registration process is, who is this person? What are their credentials? What do we know about them? What do we need to know about them? But then we want to actually say, is this the same person? Um, so we've got a, a level of trust in that person based on them being able to assert and and to a level of we require verify that identity
1: that they are that that person. Yes. So in the registration, that is a part of establishing the trust. But once this person is accessing us again, for the exchange of information, we again ask this person, do we know you? And then he sends the credentials on the basis of we can say, ah, we've registered him, so we trust him for this set of information to be exchanged with him. And this could be, uh, we say person, right, but this could be uh, a group of people, but this could be a company too. right? Uh, The B2B exchanges there.
0: But I think there's also the, you know, and I mentioned information flow, Uh, and process there's also the is this uh element element of trust let's say necessary for the for this relationship it's it's fine for me to say i trust you with my personal data but if there's not actually a a valid reason for you having that why why do i need to share it with you so is there is there not a a question of looking at at your, your processes, looking at your information flow and making sure that you don't actually rely on trust where you, where it's actually something you don't need to do at all.
1: I agree with that, absolutely. So in your process decomposition, uh, that's sort of what I was trying to uh, to say before, but I, uh, I I forgot. In your process decomposition, you identify the information that is being processed and the parties that you're exchanging this with, right, or are receiving it from and if you would not be in that list why would I establish trust with you to exchange the information because you're not a part of the process so you you don't need to know could be part of another requirement least least privilege or right need to know but uh I, I agree with you there yeah
0: yeah I, th- I think there is a a question sometimes of well we're we you know we have this trust here and it's like well what is the basis of that trust? Why do we need that trust? If we can remove that, that element of trust, um, is that not a, a better thing to do now? Obviously, there's implications in doing that, um, and you've got to weigh up the, the benefits of doing that against, against not doing that. But it's certainly something to look at, I think.
1: Well, you know, it reminds me of the Jericho Forum, Uh, which was before the zero trust uh, thing. Yeah, the deparameterization and uh, more more data-centric security. More data-centric because previously you would just ring fence your organization and within, presumably, everybody was registered to the same level, so everybody was allowed to read everything. No, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Even there, so uh, shifting the trust, um, it's specifying trust, making it more specific. So, network A doesn't need to trust network B. Well, you know what? Network A does trust network B, because otherwise they can't exchange packets with each other. Now, but the network doesn't exist for the sole purpose of being a network. The network sits there as a transport for information coming from functionalities, applications. Does application A trust application B? That is the question. And that trust requirement or those trust requirements are translated into and over the network.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, it, it's easy, it's easy to, to think about those things when
1: you control the whole stack. Well, I think actually that's the point. Uh, you should always presume that you can't trust the other domain, the, the stack. You can only trust your own layer.
0: With uh, with the caveat that we've we've mentioned before about not being able to verify your your entire stack,
1: yes, um, true, true. That's the you can challenge. certainly
0: verify your stack to a, a higher level than a third party's. Yeah, uh, yes, well, that certainly does apply. I I think uh, I think there's one more question that, and uh, maybe that is a way of tying it all together: does security enable trust, or does trust enable security?
1: I would say security enables trust. I would agree. Um, because security is the... And then I'm talking about security in the sense of being a, a property of something else, right? So that is not just encryption and confidentiality or integrity assured, but it's a, more, it's a detailed specification of the trust to be established. And therefore, security enables trust.
0: Well, security fundamentally in that, in that view is about maximizing or at least uh, increasing the likelihood of you achieving your goals and objectives without, without undue uh, downside, I guess. So you're balancing the, you're balancing the opportunities and, and, and uh, the threats. So in doing that, then trust enables you to actually do business. Trust enables you to actually interact with parties. Trust enables you to not have to build everything yourself. Trust enables you to focus on what it is that is important to your business, what differentiates your business, what drives your business value chains without having to lose sight of that by having to develop the whole end to end solution yourself without actually relying on on products and services from from others that aren't sort of a core to fundamental to delivering what you want to do but aren't actually part of your value proposition and i think without trust you you know as we've discussed you you would have to do everything and that that really loses focus on what it is that you're trying to do that's different to somebody else so i would i would say uh trust enables
1: security the other way around you mean uh, no. You said trust enables security. I have it on tape. I can rewind if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you mean security enables trust or trust enables security?
0: I, I mean, in that regard, that employing and using trust appropriately within your business improves your your chances of achieving your goals and reduces your chances of... Uh, failing uh, in in various ways. So, if that is is what we think the uh, the goal of security is, then then the trust is is enabling better security. On the flip side of that, if you say, well, I'm tr- I'm making myself vulnerable to somebody else, then you know they better be careful about who they're making themselves vulnerable to, because that may have a a transitive effect yeah. on me. So their security in 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 that sense of the, the, the security maybe is enabling the trust. So maybe it's
1: both. That's what I start seeing here. It's sort of they hold each other. Aren't they the same then? That's uh that's
0: too profound for me today, I think. Uh, All right. It's it's an interesting uh thought experiment, is it? How how do you how do you separate out trust and security you know we've you've started blurring the edges they overlap well yeah how much they overlap are they actually maybe that that takes some uh critical thinking about what our definitions are but are they are they essentially the same thing
1: thank you for listening We hope you found it somewhat helpful and interesting. Please leave a comment and let us know what you think about whether trust enables security or security enables trust. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. This way you won't miss our next episodes. Until next time, take care and stay safe.